Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 189, and it's titled, So You Want to Be Monogamish. And if you don't know what that means, we will be explaining it to you. <laughs> we It's been a long time since we've done a show that had to do with something other than kind of your standard monogamous relationship. And we did some early on, you know, about around open relating and in different ways. And they those shows did okay, but we do have to be realistic about the fact that the majority of people aren't really into that. However, we have started to see since we did those shows several years ago, that more and more clients are starting to experiment with being quote unquote monogamish, which we'll explain, and are wanting more tools for how to do that properly. So we thought it's time to revisit this subject and <laughs> uh, yeah, and just kind of tell people what it is, what it isn't, uh, how it might be beneficial to your relationship, how it could be detrimental to your relationship. And really, we're going to give you a list of how to do it correctly without screwing everything up. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's always this idea that the grass is greener somewhere else. And, uh, you know, you got to stop thinking that. So wherever you go, there you are. So if you've got issues, you know, they'll follow you because guess what? It's all about unresolved stuff. And just adding more people to the mix is not going to make those disappear. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it magnifies everything. So we'll talk about that more when we get into the potential downsides. But yeah, just, just keep in mind that if you've got drama in your current relationship, the more people you add, you will exponentially increase <laughs> the amount of drama. Anyway, before we dive into today's content, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. So make sure you go check it out at the end of the show. So... If you are looking for new sex trends to spice up your love life, you're not alone. There's been a research uh, by one of the dating app called Hinge. I don't even really know which one that is, but half of the adults say that they want to explore new sexual desires with a partner and around 80% say that it's important to them that a partner is sexually open and adventurous. We had somebody uh, on our show who uh, was talking about some of the trends. Um, she was the Cosmo editor. Yes, yes. We had the editor and, of Cosmo on. And she did say that with COVID, they, in, in their study, they really found that people were really 
starting to want some new things in their relationship and different things. So whatever being sexually open and an adventurous means to you, you know, it's not the same for everyone. But if you are in the category of the monogamish, then it will make sense. Well, yeah, that was the, the point I wanted to make is that sexually open and adventurous could be like everything <laughs> from, hey, let's do a different position this time for the first time in 10 years. Let's <laughs> or, try anal or a sex toy. Yeah, or let's <laughs> let's incorporate a sex toy. Or it could be like, let's bring somebody else in. So there, there's a wide range there, but 80% is a pretty large number. Uh, and you're right. When we, when we talked to uh, Jessica, I believe her name was, um, from Cosmo, yeah, one of the things that they found in their study was that... So we're talking about monogamish, which, you know, her data didn't necessarily say people just after COVID wanted to go out and fuck everybody everywhere. <laughs> like, that's not what the data said. But the data did say that, that people were wanting to do different things, to spice things up a bit more. Uh, I guess, you know, being stuck at home with the same person all the time made them go, hmm, maybe we should do something different. Be a little <laughs> bit more creative. <laughs> well, the term monogamish was popularized in 2011, so a long time ago. It's been around by um, the sex advice columnist Dan Savage. Basically, he says that he practices his own version of monogamish with his, uh, in his own marriage of 20 plus years. And he and his husband are monogamish since they are in a loving and exclusive marriage that still allows for occasional infidelity. It's mostly monogamy, he says, with a little squish around the edges. So that's his definition of monogamish. Yeah, now, okay, that, that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that definition. I'm not going to argue with Dan. He's, he's quite the popular uh, <laughs> <laughs> person in, in, in our industry. But... I don't really like the term for the term he uses of occasional infidelity because yeah. infidelity is a word that basically I get how he's using it, but it basically uh, implies you're doing this behind somebody's back. Right. And so what we're advocating for here is absolutely not that. And mm -hmm. of course, we will explain what we what we not even so much we're advocating but what we're talking about here <laughs> you know like it's important to understand that you can create any style of relating and relationship that you want and just because you started a certain way doesn't mean that you have to keep it throughout your entire life things can move and shift at different times and i really want to say that don't let other people define for you what it means to have a relationship like we live in day and an age where anything goes so it's really time to give yourself permission to be more creative or open or do different things if that's what you want i also want to say that there is absolutely nothing wrong with monogamy monogamy is awesome as well when done right just like any style of relating it's who does it and how they do it yeah. So, you know, you mentioned in the beginning of the show, it's important not to get stuck in that the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Which is a tendency that happens when you're talking about expanding outside of monogamy. It's like, hey, well, there's so many other good looking people we could be <laughs> doing stuff with. But the data actually does show that uh, monogamous people actually have more sex than single people and non-monogamous people. 
Uh, in fact, we will be interviewing somebody coming up. I don't know exactly uh, when, but it's coming up in the next couple of weeks who has some excellent data on this because I was just reading it in her book. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll be covering more of that later. Um, but the point simply is, is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of great benefits to monogamy. People tend to have deeper relationships, longer lasting relationships, more sex, right? So this is not about, oh, monogamy is an old outdated way of being that was only for your grandparents. And, you know, we're so much smarter and more evolved and advanced than they are. <laughs> and we've got all this technology to help us and make it all e-. Right. Yeah. So as Celine said, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And uh, this style isn't any better than any other style. They all have potential benefits and potential downsides, which we will be covering in just a short little bit. We have a list of the possible benefits and the possible downsides. So why would you want to move out of monogamy? Because some people, you know, you can be perfectly happy in it. And some people are perfectly unhappy in monogamous uh, relationships. So one would be that, and that's, I think, is probably the most common one, is that one partner wants to explore other gender, where they're like, I don't know, maybe I am bisexual. I want to explore with uh, my same, same sex, you know, if, if you are in, in, a, in an heterosexual relationship. So that's usually one of the driver. I have to admit that often it is the women wanting to explore with other women. Again, it's a generality, but it's often the case. This is, it's the majority of what we have witnessed. Another reason that you would want to move out of monogamy is if one of the partner identifies as asexual or doesn't want to give any more sexual attention to the relationship. And, you know, that's an important one to talk about because I believe that it's not fair to be in a marriage where you're like, hey, we've got to be faithful to each other and you can't have sex with anybody else, but I'm not giving you any. Yeah, and that that unfortunately happens a lot. And again, you know, if we're talking about stats, like I'm going to reference this book I've been reading because it's fresh in, in my memory. And But, you know, another thing that, that they're really talking about there is how important sexuality is to the foundation of your relationship. And so, you know, they've done many studies on this and they can they can clearly see in the data that couples who have sex at least somewhat regularly, report much higher quality of relationship than those that don't. But more sex is not always better. Yeah, well, so that was the next part of it, which is like, okay, if basically what they determine. And she admits, uh, I don't want to go too much into this because we're totally going to do a whole show on this, but she admits that the way the study was conducted, it may not have been... It may not have been telling the entire story, but what they did find is that couples that had sex at least once a week reported a high level of satisfaction, much higher than those who were not having sex once a week. However, the couples who were having sex more than once a week didn't report any higher satisfaction in their relationship. So it seemed like, you know, more wasn't necessarily better, but that could potentially be how they structured the study because of how they got people to have more sex than they would normally have. It was somewhat forced. So, <laughs> yeah, I, so, I you get know, that. Right. But, but the point is, is that 
you know, you could end up in a situation in a relationship where for whatever reason, somebody has a, a, a health challenge or, you know, sometimes hormones shift in ways where people just aren't interested anymore. Or, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of reasons why somebody might be like, eh, not really wanting sex anymore at this point in my life. The problem comes in when it's only one person, one person's like, well, I'm, I'm really, I'm like on a scale of one to 10, I'm a zero. And the other person's like, I'm an 11, you know, <laughs> or even a 10, nine, eight, seven, six, you mm-hmm. know, and you see there's a big disparity there. So basically it's either you want to explore something you haven't done before or with, with a new gender, you have a relationship with mismatched libido, you have different appetite for sexual experiences. You know, some people, uh, and we've known couples like this, where one of them liked a particular style of um, sexuality and it was absolutely not their partner's taste. And they were like, hey, why don't you go have some experiences with other people? Here are the limits and stuff and we'll talk more about that. And with me, we do this, you know. So that's kind of all the reasons why somebody would want to step out of the monogamous box. Now, we use the term monogamish, but I think it's important that we define a little bit some of the styles also because... We must are, clearly define our terms. Yes, because there are a lot of options, you know, as always, right? There's so many jams on the shelf. And so, <laughs> same with your relationship, there are so many things. So let's talk about a few things like swinging. Swinging involves uh, partner swapping between two couples that already exist. Usually in the swinging community, uh, people... And not very interested in knowing each other. They just want to bang each other when don't it want to know like your it. real name. Don't, don't want care. don't want your email address. <laughs> don't want your phone number. Don't expect a call tomorrow. Just want access to what's between your legs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it works for some, but understand that it is different. Um, an open relationship is another style where typically it means that the partners date or have ongoing consensual sexual relationship with other people. And oftentimes, open relating or relationship is very similar to polyamory, which is kind of a broad term that it is close to relationship. I think in polyamory, usually, uh, and again, there are many ways of doing poly, uh, but people have either what they call a primary relationship, like that main relationship, and then they have other relationships around, and everything is done in the open. And the idea of that is to cultivate a relationship or multiple relationships over the span of a, of a long time, like however long the relationship can last for. Yeah, so those two terms, open relationship and polyamory are basically used interchangeably. Yes. People, people, pun intended, swap those terms (laughs) back and forth a lot. Uh, And so, you know, you might hear somebody say one or the other and, you know, you you would have to ask for more clarification as to what exactly they were talking about. But the thing is, is under either of those terms, there's a whole bunch of subcategories <laughs> of how it's done. We, we can't go all in details into that. It's, it's just too much. And by the way, I want to clarify that polygamy is not polyamory. It is very different. Polygamy is a man having multiple wives. Yeah, and so, it's usually associated to a particular religion. So the only time that polygamy and polyamory get confused is by people that don't know what either one of those actually are. Yes. <laughs> 
um, let's just define monogamish here because then monogamish, usually the um, participants are almost given like a hall pass, meaning that under certain circumstances that have been clearly communicated by, between the parties, one or both partners can be free to sexually or emotionally step out. That's the traditional definition. I'm going to say that my definition of monogamish is different, that it's not about a whole pass. No, uh, no My definition of not. monogamish is that as a couple, we are monogamous, but we have defined areas where we're willing to open up. Right. So, okay, how about a couple of examples of that, right? So the, <laughs> I agree with you, which is good because, you know, <laughs> we're married. <laughs> but... <laughs> But yeah, so so in in my definition of monogamish, it simply means that we are monogamous primarily. But maybe if we happen to be at a party, it would be okay for somebody to give you a massage or, you know, massage your breasts or somebody could maybe touch, you know, whatever those sort of pre-negotiated things are. But they're in certain circumstances. Uh, and it's all agreed upon ahead of time, but we're still primarily, I mean, it could potentially involve sex with somebody, but generally it's play together kind of stuff, or at least you're all in the same general vicinity at the same time kind of thing. So, you know, people call it monogamish because it's like, well, really we're just a monogamous couple who occasionally might experiment a little bit outside of that. Yeah. So again, as you can see, it's not so clear cut, the labels. The labels only help to understand things, but you, you don't have to bid by any of that. You can create anything you want. It's your own rules. It's your own life and relationship. Yeah. I mean, so so it could be a hall pass, but, you know, hall pass to me means like, hey, I'm using my hall pass tonight. I'm going out. See ya. I'm yeah, going to no. like bang whoever I come in contact with, you know? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> yeah, that's not my definition. N- no. Okay. I, don't, I don't think it's most people's definition of monogamous. I mean, that that's that's more bordering on swinging, honestly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think that those who are not super comfortable with the communication piece and like being all upfront, that's what they will use. Uh, but I think people who are really good at communicating, it's like everything's in the open. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that uh, when it comes to how to do it properly without screwing everything up. So let's talk about a few of the benefits, why you would want to try any of the styles that we just talked about. And uh, for the purpose of today's episode, we're mostly talking about monogamish. But one, it can bring some new energy to the relationship. You're familiar with the concept of NRE, of new relationship energy. When you start dating somebody, there's this like all of these hormones, chemicals that are flowing in your body and you feel so in love and you forget to eat and sleep and the world is just such a beautiful place and you know, you could just live on fresh air and love. But as you are... Um, in your relationship for a longer period of time, that disappears. But the fun part is when you have somebody new, you can feel that energy again. And what's interesting is that often it leaks into your existing relationship. It really does. Always leaks into your existing relationship. And that's why people like to do it because Mm -hmm. they want to experience those chemicals that happen when you first meet somebody even though they've been together for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And so when you bring somebody new and it creates that, but you all get to share it. Yes. So that's, that's one possible benefit. 
Another one is that it can reignite the sexual energy. Um, so yeah, I, I put these two, they sound like the same yes. thing, but I put these two as two separate things for a very distinct reason. So yeah, there's that sort of excitement about a new relationship. Oh, we're going to go on a date. You know, like there's, <laughs> there's that kind of stuff. But then there's also, there's also something that can happen in relationships when people have been together for a long time where the sex gets kind of like, kind of boring for lack of a better word. A it's routine. like Or routine. Yeah, routine is a great word where it's just, yeah, they're doing it, they're enjoying it, but it's not like it used to be. And then all of a sudden you bring somebody new in in this way and it can potentially like all of a sudden you're really excited about having Wanna sex fuck again. all the time. Right. And again. It's, and again, it's it's not just with the new person. It mm-hmm. brings that into the existing relationship. And so you can suddenly like, yeah, you know, I was somewhat interested in sex, you know. But, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I just want to fuck all the time, all, <laughs> the, all of a sudden, right? So it's a little bit different. There's the excitement about somebody new and going out on a date and all that. But then there's the like really firing up the desire for wanting sex. Another good benefit is that it can be a way for one or the other partner to have their needs met. So like we were talking about earlier when you have different uh, preferences or different libido. And so then you're like, okay, one person is like not going to hold the other one back when that happens. Yeah. So, you know, there's so, so many scenarios where somebody feels like, they're not getting what they truly want and the other person is not willing to give it to them or maybe not capable. Maybe they're willing, but they're not capable. You know, the other thing too is like, don't just at the first uh, little hiccup try to open up your relationship <laughs> or, and, and do that. You know, it's kind of like couples on the brink of like uh, divorcing or breaking up and go like, let's have a baby. Like it's a stupid idea, right? It's an absolutely <laughs> stupid idea. Let's do something that's going to push both of you to the limits of your capacity because you think maybe it'll help the situation. No, no. If you want to have a kid, you need to have a rock solid foundation of a relationship because it's going to push you to your limits. It's the same exact thing here with introducing somebody new to your relationship. You better have a rock solid foundation before you even consider it. Yeah. And and we'll talk more about that. I want to go, I'm going to move on quickly here because there's some, uh, I want to get, spend more time with the how to's because that's really exciting. So Let's just talk about a few more benefits here is it can satisfy long-term fantasies, which can be a really fun way because you get them out of just the fantasy realm into real life. It yeah, it can uh, help you create a sense of adventure. But I don't, I don't want to skip too quickly past. We've got time. It's okay. I don't want to skip too quickly past that long-time fantasies thing because there's an important point to be made there. All right. Go for it, Kevin. Well, how many times have we seen couples... Right, where one cup, one person in the couple has had these fantasies their whole life, and they've never been able, like the threesome fantasy. Like mm-hmm. let's just let's just call out the big pink elephant in the room. <laughs> Every guy wants to have a threesome, right? Well, what about all these guys that never had a threesome, and then they get into a monogamous relationship, and they're constantly thinking about this threesome? That can actually cause problems later on down the line in the relationship. Especially if suddenly an opportunity for a threesome comes up, right? And he ends up cheating or whatever. So it's a way to be able to get those things, 
you know, sow your wild oats, get it out of your system, whatever term you want to <laughs> use. It's a way to be able to experience those things without wrecking the relationship as a result of not ever having been able to express those desires. It can help you create a sense of adventure. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But I think last but not least, in it's... It should be the first benefit, in my opinion, is that it forces couples to learn more skills. Because as we've mentioned earlier, you know, you need to be a communication ninja. You need to know how to set boundaries. And we'll, we'll dive more in details into how to do that. Without these skills, without this solid foundation, the relationship is not going to survive it. There, there are so many times where couples thought that, oh, yeah, we're really good at communicating until this happens and then it blows up. Or they're like, yeah, I know my partner so well, I know exactly what they want until all of a sudden they're doing something that they're like, wait, where did that come from, right? <laughs> there, I know, we, we, ha we know exactly what our boundaries are until all of a sudden somebody's like, well, I thought our boundaries were this. And like, well, I thought they were this, right? Honestly, and, and this is one of the things, you know, we tell people all the time. It doesn't matter whether you're in a monogamous relationship or any other version, monogamish, open, poly, swinging, whatever it is, you should know these skills regardless. Like if you're in a monogamous relationship, right, where it's like there are nobody but the two of you and when there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, don't think that you don't need to learn these skills because, <laughs> oh, well, we're, we're monogamous, so it doesn't matter. No, you need to learn these skills just as much as everybody else. However... If you are going to experiment with one of these other styles, you damn well better know these skills because otherwise it is going to be a disaster. Now, if you want to learn how how to apply all of these skills, make sure that you have that solid foundation. Uh, Kevin and I can help you work with that. We work with couples and we really tailor our programs. So you've probably heard us talk about our highly sex power, power couple uh, program that we have. Basically what happens in there is that we work with couples over the period of 90 days, three months. And we do a combination of working in joint sessions and solo sessions, and we really zoom in on what's going on. So we work with couples who haven't had sex in a long time and want to bring that back. We, want to, we work with couples who want to start to explore and open up and have new skills. We want to, we work with couples who have like bedroom issues or mismatched libidos. I mean, we, we've seen it all. Our goal is to create a highly tailored program for exactly where you are. And basically we take you from this, like stuck in a rut or average or things not working to like being really synced up, having passion and love and deep intimacy. Yeah, no matter where you are on that spectrum, there's room for improvement. <laughs> That's so you true. You know, I mean, we've... <laughs> We've worked with famous people who, like, you would think they've got all the money, all the opportunity in the world, and you would think that they've got it all figured out. And nope, nope, they learned a ton. <laughs> so if you are interested in working with us, uh, go to selinremy.com forward slash passion, and you can learn about our synergy program here for you. And we'd love to talk with you. Okay. Let's talk about downside. We cannot talk about this subject and pretend like it's all rainbows, unicorns, <laughs> butterflies, and flowers, right? Because for a lot of people, it's really not. So we have to talk about the downsides. Number one, and this definitely it should be number one on the list. I didn't actually write these lists in any particular order. That's why, you know, the other one just came to me as I was towards the end of the list. And it, you're right, it should have been up at the top. But this one belongs right where it is, which is it can create jealousy. 
Oh boy, can it create jealousy. Lots of jealousy if you're not careful. And and what's fascinating is a lot of people think they're not jealous until they put into a situation and they're like, yeah, it's totally fine to see my partner making out. And then they start to see their partner going down on somebody or having sex with somebody else. And then something gets triggered, an insecurity or something. And like they, jealousy can take you just by surprise. Like even if you think you, you're not jealous, like there can be situations and it gets lit up like that. Yeah, and I want to make a point too that there's nothing wrong with jealousy. So one of the things that we have personally experienced, and I don't know, you can tell me if if you've noticed it as much as I have, there's a big demonizing of jealousy when it comes to the poly communities. It's like, oh my God, jealousy. No, no, no. You should do everything you can. Jealousy is bad. No, no, you got to wipe out jealousy, you know, like the war against jealousy, you know. It's kind of like that. And the reality is, is jealousy is an absolutely normal reaction. Now, how you deal with that, that's where it gets sticky, right? So like, do you go crazy and do something that you'll regret later? Murder. Or do you handle it? It is actually, there are some people that don't experience jealousy. Like there are, and and, and we've known a few. They are very rare. Yes. Very rare. So if you're, if you're experimenting in this in any way, and you're feeling feelings of jealousy and people around you are like, well, you really need to work on that. And uh, <laughs> this is really a problem for you. And you really need to get to the space where you don't feel it. It, it is so rare a person that doesn't feel any jealousy at all. Like they exist, but they're total unicorns. Well, and the thing is, I think we need a reframe around it that when jealousy comes up, it's a great opportunity to look at what needs of yours is not met, what are your insecurities, and to learn to speak up. Because ultimately, once you feel secure, the jealousy disappears. The jealousy comes up because you're threatened to lose something that you care about. And so once you identify the threat of what's going on and what you need, then usually then you can create something around that. All right. Another downside is that it can make a relationship more unstable. Yeah, this is kind of like what we were talking about before with the people who are having a tough time in their relationship and decide they're going to have a kid because somehow that'll, that'll make everything better. No, no, this... This is potentially going to challenge you. So uh, if you're not doing it correctly, the downside is it could potentially make things worse. That, that's, that's, we just have to say it as straightforward as it is. It can make things worse if you're not careful. Another thing that people don't think about is that it can bring up old patterns and traumas. So as you bring more people in, everything gets magnified. The love but also the stuff, the yucky things that you don't want to look at. And if you haven't done the work, and even if you've done the work, I mean, we still have stuff. It's, it's well, just being human, right? Yeah, and here's, here's the thing. Here's what, what I have personally witnessed happen more times than I can count. Somebody thinks that they've done the work, and I'm not saying that they haven't. They've probably done tons of work, and they think they've got it all figured out. And then suddenly they end up in an open relationship, and daddy wound that they didn't even know they had got triggered. That never came up before because they were never in a situation where they felt like they were being abandoned by their father. But all of a sudden, the man is off making out with somebody else, and she feels like her father just abandoned her, right? And it's just one scenario. It can go the other way, too. But the idea is, is that there can be a lot of stuff under the surface that you don't even know exists until something big triggers it. And then you're like, oh, fuck. Let's be real that with um, 
different style of relationship like this, it can also bring more drama than it is really worth. <laughs> like you might end up spending more time processing than fucking. There's a term in the poly community called polyagony. <laughs> it's a term used to describe the agony that you go through. And here's the interesting thing is, you know, I have actually seen people glorify the term polyagony, where they literally talk about like, you know, this is your badge of courage, you know, (laughs) this is your red badge of courage. I don't know if you've ever read that book before. It's actually a good book, has nothing to do with open relationships. (laughs) But but yeah, they kind of wear it as a badge of honor or courage that they went through all this hard, difficult stuff. And like, I have seen people put themselves through so much pain under the guise of, but I'm learning, but I'm learning. Maybe you're learning, but are you also traumatizing yourself? Are you actually creating deep psychological patterns of trauma that you're going to spend the next how many years trying to untangle? Like, (laughs) is that worth it? Obviously, in that scenario, it's not. And so you really need to take a, a, a good hard look uh, at yourself and your relationship and what you're doing and decide if there's if there's a, s- a significant amount of drama there, is this really worth it? Is this really helping you? Are you really getting the benefit you think you're getting from it? Or are you literally just creating more trauma patterns? All right. So we've got a couple more downsides here before we get into the how-tos. Um, but one of the downsides is that it can highlight your lack of skills. It can show you it's, it's a beautiful mirror. And it can be pretty brutal. Yeah, you thought you were a good communicator uh, uh, until you were incapable of communicating your feelings of jealousy. <laughs> and then last but not least, it can lead to the end of the relationship. And that's, that. I mean, that that's a fact. And, and you got to be aware of that anytime you're going to open up your relationship. Some people, that's why they choose never to open up because like, well, what if uh, she finds somebody better or he finds somebody better? And ultimately, I guess you weren't meant to be with each other. But sometimes it's the amount of pain, drama, suffering, and all of this that creates the end. And without it, the relationship would have worked. Yeah, and it's not just about they found somebody better. It's just that you triggered traumas, you caused more drama, you just basically effed everything up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's only working if you're in a... In, in a movie, don't do that in real life, really. Because even in movies, it's painful to watch. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know, when you, when you do what we do for a living, you know, and you've personally experienced, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about over numerous years, <laughs> not just one or two experiences, you watch that stuff in movies, you, you already know exactly where it's going. And you're just like, ah. Oh, Shit show. <laughs> oh, do I really have to sit through the next 45 <laughs> Minutes to an hour of this shit show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to our how-tos because I'm sure if now you have a better idea or if you've been considering it and you're like, this is helping you making up your mind, we're going to give you some good how-tos to do it, how to open up your relationship, uh, start to be maybe monogamous is a good first step um, in a way that will not destroy the relationship you currently have. Rule number one. And it's not on the list. And I'm going to say it because I'm thinking about it. Please be sober. Please be sober with any of the encounters that you are having. Because if you are not sober, and I don't care how legal things are wherever you live, you know, 
Here's the thing. You are not clear about your boundaries. You are not always able to voice. It gets mucky and you don't really always, you might agree to things you would not have done if you weren't yes. like altered. So I know where that one's coming from because you are working with some clients currently who are struggling with that challenge. Um, and, you know, especially I would just add to what you're saying and say, especially in the beginning, yes. you know, later on, once you've, you've more experienced and you've got the boundaries clear and the communication clear and all that, okay, that's fine. But in the beginning, man, you are really playing Russian roulette by not having your full wits about you and you're not making good, clear decisions and you're not communicating as well as you think you are communicating yes. in the moment. Well, and I love that you're bringing that point because it's, let's say you've been dating somebody for a long time or like you're, you're having this relationship that all of you decide, hey, we're all going to get high and do this together with this intention. That's very, very different than the only way I can open up or have like making out with other people is if I have some drinks or substances because otherwise I'm just like too uh, shy or afraid or I don't know what to ask for. And that's not good. You got to learn the skills. And honestly, don't force yourself to go faster than you're ready for. Really don't because it takes more time to like patch up the stuff and, and clear up all the stuff that happened than it is if you went slower. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that later on down the list, too. All right, that was 1A. So 1B <laughs> <laughs> is to start by clearly communicating what it is you both want to get from this experiment. You have to know your why. Why are you doing this? And you better have a good reason for it, not just a, eh, I don't know, it's bored, it's Friday night. Figured, fuck it. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm doing this to make him happy or oh, her happy. Oh, yeah, those are bad, bad, bad reasons. But so you and you both have to talk about it because your reasons might not be the same. Correct. So it's really important to say, here's my reason. Here's why I think that this would be a good idea. And then the other person can say, well, here's why I think. And then you can get a chance to talk about like, you know, do I agree with your reason? Do you agree with my reason? Right? Or are we like, oh, no, that's not because you, you, you might say, well, my reasons for this, and I'm like, oh, that's not a good reason. Well, right. I can give you that, or we can get right, we can right. get this need met in a different way. Uh, also, what that happens is you start to communicate, and I think communication is so, so, so essential. You can't skip over this, and you cannot, in my opinion, over communicate. It's 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 an essential skill when when you are opening a relationship. Yes. All right. Next, you need to clearly state and agree on your desired boundaries, agreements, and write them down. And this is something that you do prior, prior to anything happening. It's not something that you think afterwards. It's not something that you think really during. Oh, wait. Uh, I don't want this dick in that oh. mouth. No. <laughs> oh, oh, we've seen this happen. We've seen new requirements or agreements or boundaries pop up in the middle of things. Oh, hold on. Like, uh, let me just call my wife and make sure she's okay with that while we're in the middle and I'm already fingering you. Or like, oh yeah, did I mention to you I have herpes? <laughs> <laughs> this is not the way that you go about it. So you, you both, much like you need to sit down and, and discuss what you both want from this uh, experiment, you also need to really clearly define like, here's what I'm okay with. You can do this, this, and this, but not this, this, and this. That's important. Don't just say you can do this, this, and this, 
or don't just say you can't do this, this, or this. Clearly specify, here's what I'm okay with you doing. Here's what I am not okay with you doing. And that forces you to speak up for things. And you have to explore scenarios. You have to think about all the different combinations, like girl on girls, boy on boy, kissing and going down, penetration, which holds all of these details. Yeah, this is a funny one too, because when a lot of times when guys get into this, they never think about the fact that there might be another guy involved. And they only think about boundaries and agreements in terms of, well, there's going to be two women in me. Of course, that's something you need to discuss also. Last point about this, and I know we've talked about this before a few times on the show, you really need to write the agreements down. Because what you don't want later on is there to be some sort of a well, we had this agreement. Oh, no, we didn't. We didn't talk about it. Yeah, we I know we did. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I don't remember talking about that. It's like Page three of our 45 pages contract, clause number 17. Look, it is right there. Okay, so we, <laughs> we, we did have some friends who literally had like a 15-page long agreement, which we both were like, that's just way too fucking complicated. You know, it's, it's almost like, you know, our, our system of, of law in the Western world is intentionally um, overly complicated because they don't actually want you to understand it and they want to be able to gotcha at any moment they so choose right and they want you to be able to, to to screw up because you thought you were doing it right so having too many agreements and too long and too complicated of a set of agreements can actually be a problem because it's too hard to follow at that point it's too easy to make mistakes and then create more jealousy and, and more bad feelings and all that keep it simple keep it clear a concise and you can always change things over time uh, but it is important to have it in writing let's talk about our point number three here because i think this is so essential um you need to have what we call a safe word or code or something between you and your partner. See, for a lot of women, we need that safety put in place. Without safety, we're not going to feel comfortable opening up sexually. And when you are interacting with multiple people, especially if you are doing it with people you don't yet know very well, uh, that gets magnified. You need that element of safety. And knowing that whatever you're doing is to enhance your relationship and not take away, right? That's kind of like part of the reason why you would want to open up is to make things better with your partner. And knowing that if something is not feeling good, that you've got each other. And you don't have to like explain it in front of everybody, but if something, you, if you need to get out, if, if, if that's too much or you need a pause, like have a sign, have a safe word, something that people know, you know, those pretzels. Muskrat, are me, Jack. Muskrat. No, no, pretzels are making me oh, thirsty. Oh, pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that is. Uh, but having a safe word will allow you to call off something, pull out of the situation, get your head like back into place and then decide, you know, like, do we want to continue? Do we want to go away or something like yeah, that? Yeah. So, and that, that, uh, is very, it's very much part of the next one on the list. So, so have a safe word, right. So, or signal or something where you both are on the same page. And then the next one is you got to be a hundred percent on the same team. So if one person needs to call a halt, you both have to agree. So what that means is if for any reason, and it doesn't matter what the reason is, for any reason, one person gives the signal, pulling on the earlobe, 
<clears throat> pretzels are making me thirsty. Whatever <laughs> it is, both people go, it's, it's like a dog to a dog whistle. Huh? Huh? What? Uh, okay, got it. Boom, we, we stop. Yes. You have to be 100% on the same page. If you're not, your partner's not going to trust you. Oof, and you don't want to go there. Number five, check in frequently to see how each other is doing, especially during and, you know, like, again, the concept that it's adding to the relationship, make sure that everybody is really having a good time. Is this still pleasant for you? And, and like, also in between, like the time that you are intimate with other people or doing different things, be like, hey, are you still excited about this potential date? Or like, tell me about this. Is there something else you want to do? Like, check in check in check in hey, we've been on x number of dates is this still working for mm -hmm. you you know do you want to keep experimenting do you not right you got to check in for, don't assume that what you agreed to you know a month ago two months ago six months ago last week is still relevant today and, and i like that you're bringing this up kevin because one of the things that we had uh in a previous relationship i was in that was uh open we literally checked in with each other prior to going to any parties or, or any whatever that was to be like, okay, are you still fine with our agreements? Do we need to change anything? Or like, are we good to go? Because again, you know, maybe it could be a day where somebody was like, you know, we haven't made love this week and I'm not feeling really connected to you. And it's actually hard to see you go play with somebody else or to have you play. Like, can we just stay together tonight if we go to a party, you know, and not play with other people? See, and, and, and that helps because sure, the agreement is you can fuck anybody else you want. But if one of you is feeling like, hey, my cup's not full, I haven't had enough of you, like just pick up. And that, and that makes the evening so much more beautiful because then you can just go there, play together, make sure everybody's good. And there will no always be another Another party, another opportunity. There's always more. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and that kind of means like that next one we had here, which is to course correct as frequently as necessary, right? Because again, agreements can change, people change, even if it's written, like change it, it keep it alive. It's a relationship. So it's not something that's going to be set in stone. Absolutely. Next one on the list is to go slow to start. You can always add experiences, but you can't take them away once you've had them. So <laughs> off all of a sudden you're like, um, I really wish you hadn't had anal sex with that random stranger. You know, you're like, well, too late. It's done. Right? My like, anus is stretched now. Yeah. It's like, you can't take that back. Right? So start slow. You can always add experiences. You can't take it's like cooking, right? Like you add a little bit of spice and then you taste it and you go, mm, yeah, maybe I need a little bit more. But if you just dump the whole thing in, now you've ruined the meal and you can't take it out. You can't get it back out. That you just can't. Even if you try to sweeten it, you're gonna taste it less, but your body will still sweat a lot because all the spices are still there. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, is we're coming back to communication. Keep communicating and communicating and communicating. Have we said it enough? Communication. <laughs> and here's the thing. I want to really mention something too, because that's something I was coaching a client through. Communication happens before, during, and after. Before whenever, like you have your clear agreement with your partner. Before you start interacting with another person, like 
all of you have a lot of chit chat. Like, what do you want from this experience? Um, what would be like the mildest you want to have experience? What's like your wildest dream for two, for this evenings, you know, and be like, speak those things out. They don't need to happen, but it's a good practice. And then during, keep checking in, everybody feeling good. This feels good. Like, and it doesn't have to be all verbal. It could just be moaning. It could be like different things like that. I love to do afterwards, like a kind of debriefing and check in like, hey, um, what was your highlight? Is there something you would want to do different? And we do this just the two of us after lovemaking or after something like not every time, but sometimes it's like, hey, how was that for you? Is there something different? And you can take the same concept with multiple people. And so the communication happens not like it happens before, during, after, and it's something you keep doing ongoingly. Yeah, those those were some good practices that really got drilled in in the poly community. I have to give them credit for that. They were really good about the checking in before, during, and after. That was the thing that they they really uh, were very strongly uh, about. You know, some people will say that uh, you know, like, oh, we all ended up at their place, and it was just in the moment, and we couldn't stop to have that discussion because it was going to kill the mood, and just and that. <laughs> right? Like, don't don't get caught in that, oh, well, if we try to have this discussion, it's going to ruin the mood. If the mood is real and people still really want to do this, they'll still want to do it 10 minutes later after you've all, and they'll probably want to do it more because all of the women, at least, and probably the men too, will now be feeling safe. Yeah. And wouldn't you want to know who's open for what, you know? And he's like, and then you won't take it personally. If somebody's like, hey, I'm not having penetration sex tonight because I, I'm, I'm on my periods, then you won't be thinking that there's something wrong with you or something like yeah, that. You right? won't take it personally. You won't be worried about being accused of a me too something mm -hmm. or other, you know, like you'll know, like you will know exactly what everybody's up for. And the, there's no guessing games because... You can't guess here because if you guess wrong, it's basically <laughs> Russian roulette, right? Yeah. So ultimately, you want to keep educating yourself. Surround yourself with people who are living this lifestyle, who have done it, who are doing it, because you need to have really good role models, um, of course, listening to our show. Uh, but there are a few books that are really good for people who are exploring things. So there's The uh, Ethical Slot, A Guide to Infinite Sexual Possibility by Dosi Easton and Janet Hardy. And there's also Opening Up, A Guide to Creating and Sustaining Relationships by Tristan Tarantino. Taormino. Yes. <laughs> I'm mixing different people here. <laughs> These two books are kind of classics. I know we've mentioned them in previous yeah. episodes, but they're really good books for people who are starting up. There are plenty of other people uh, who live this and who have written good books too that we have not like mentioned. But what's important there is to educate yourself, to listen to how are people doing it, what is working, what is not working from them. And guess what? You're going to screw it up. You're going to when you do that and you're going to learn from your mistakes, but try to make, to make it as easy for you to succeed as possible. And here's the thing. If you follow the formula that we just gave you, if you make mistakes, they will be small mistakes and they will be recoverable. Yes. If you don't follow what we just gave you, you'll make bigger mistakes and you may or may not be able to recover from them. All right. Well, there you go. If you were considering experimenting outside of your monogamous relationship, you now know uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, and you have the formula for doing it. So good luck. And if you need help, make sure you reach out and contact us. We can help you. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have for this episode, and we will see you next week. 
We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>